welcome to Tea Time. This is a weekly pop culture podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Hallowell. And I'm Amelia Wedemeyer. And today we're checking in with Britney Spears, the double wears Prada 15 years later, and one of my favorite topics, hot Olympians. <laughs> Love them. Right? Guys, follow us on Twitter if you'd like. We're at Tea Time underscore 33. And for an inside look at the brain of Amelia Wedemeyer, follow us on Instagram at Tea Time Pod. I think that's our, our best content is what's mm-hmm. happening on our Instagram. Well, thank for you. sure. All right, before we get into the show, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right. At the top of the show, we are addressing the biggest news of the week, which is, of course, Britney Spears breaking her silence in a court hearing on Wednesday regarding her conservatorship that's um, been in place for almost 13 years. Wild. Um, Amelia, you are a Britney Spears expert and also an expert on this subject. Would you like to take it away? Yes, thank you. Um, I just want to do a quick breakdown of how we got here, what the conservatorship is for people who maybe aren't as knee deep into this. Um, So let's go back. And all this info is from like the BBC and the New York Times. They've done really great reporting. Um, So we have to go back to 2007. And, you know, you've seen the Etsy shirts that say, if Britney can survive 2007, I can survive today. Mm -hmm. Um, And this refers to the time period where she had recently divorced her husband, Kevin Federline. She had two young boys whom she loses physical custody of. She had visitation rights and she's being constantly hounded by the paparazzi and the tabloid media. So she's essentially oversaturated. And this is also the time when she, you know, shaves her head infamously and attacks the paparazzi with an umbrella. So she's extremely vulnerable and lonely. And you have to remember this is the late 2000s. So people are years away from prioritizing mental health and talking about it. Mm -hmm. And we are way more apt to make fun of her and watch her downfall, which is pretty sad. So in 2008, after all this has happened, she has been admitted to a hospital under temporary psychiatric assessment. And One of the times allegedly happens after she refuses to hand over her children and the police get involved. And uh, so then her father, Jamie Spears, 
files for temporary conservatorship over his daughter, Brittany. And you're probably asking yourself, what is a conservatorship? You've heard about a lot of it in the media recently because of this. Um, It's pretty much a legal agreement that happens when someone is unable to make decisions for themselves. And this, you know, mainly applies to the elderly and people who are severely mentally handicapped. Um, The court appoints a conservator to act in the conservative's best interests. And in Brittany's case, it was Jamie, uh, her father, who is appointed as the conservator of her person. So it means like he makes decisions for her, like medical decisions, And then also the conservator of her estate, which is the financial side. So where her money goes. And interestingly, Brittany had said from the beginning that she didn't want her father appointed as the conservator. And in the in the framing Britney Spears documentary, which everyone should watch if you haven't already, it's on Hulu. Um, they interview Adam Streisand, who was her lawyer for a short period of time, and he pretty much confirms this, that she did not want her father in control of her conservatorship. But unfortunately, that's what happened. And you also have to remember that during this point, well, up until, I guess, uh, yeah, up until 2008, he really wasn't in her life that much. Um, and he had dealt with uh, he bankruptcy issues and I, he was an alcoholic and there had been, um, her mom alleged some abuse situations, which, um, obviously very unfortunate, but anyway, back to the timeline in October, 2008, the conservatorship is made permanent and it was speculated in the framing Britney documentary that she did this. She signed off on this so she could see her kids. And interestingly, like weeks after she signs it, she gets more rights mm. in pertaining to her children. So that is all to say and confirm, Liz, yes, she has been under this conservatorship for 13 years. And people have started to talk about the Free Britney movement, which is to essentially free her from this conservatorship. And talk about the Free Britney movement has started as early as 2009. I think there was like a website like called freebritney.net that started in 2009 and but it recently has become um, more popular and has gotten more press because of this documentary and also because there's like the, this podcast that examines her Instagram activities. And anyway, they argue that it seems really incongruous to have this conservatorship for her when she's out here appearing on national TV. She's recording albums. She's going on tours. You know, she's headlining a Vegas show, which just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense if, you know, Mm -hmm. she needs these people to be in control of her lives when she seems to be doing kind of fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's making so much money and there are so many people on her payroll and that, you know, most importantly includes her father. So it's kind of seems like they just want control of her money. And then we also start to see cracks that might allude to discontent in the conservatorship. She abruptly cancels her domination Vegas residency in 2019, and she says it's due to her father's health. And then later in 2019, Kevin Federline, her ex-husband, is granted a restraining order against her father, Jamie, after he allegedly gets into a physical altercation with one of Britney's sons. Mm. Um, and then during this time, Jamie st- temporarily steps down as conservator of Britney's person, but he remains in control of her finances. Then in November of 2020, Brittany, 
She goes in front of the judge and asks to add the Bessemer Trust, which is a wealth management company, as co-conservator of her finances. And this is approved. And random anecdote, but the judge in this case, so the judge that she, Brittany, went in front of yesterday and who approved the Bessemer Trust in, tw- in November of 2020 happens to be Brenda Penny, who is the mother of insecure showrunner Prentice Penny. I saw that. Right? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. iconically tweeted after the November 2020 hearing. Also, Judge Penny is my actual mother. I could have told Brittany's dad she don't play, which is, again, iconic. Nice. It's iconic, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is all to say that Britney Spears appeared in front of Judge Brenda Penny on Wednesday for a hearing on her conservatorship in which she pretty much confirmed everything that has been speculated about from those in the Free Britney movement, that she's Mm -hmm. in this conservatorship against her will. And I will jump in and say that there are a lot of websites that released her full statement, which I would encourage everyone to read. Amelia, you're doing a fantastic job so far. This is extensive. And she also says a lot in this statement. She spoke for almost 20 minutes straight. Um, So if you would like to read the entire thing, which I'd encourage everyone to do, it's on Variety, NBC News, USA Today. All you have to do is just like seek it out online and it's there. Um, Exactly. Because there is a lot to parse through. And I will hand it back to you because I know— you'd like to cover some of the things she says, but I just encourage everyone no, to read yes. it fully because it's it's heartbreaking and also just fascinating what she's been dealing with for so long. So fascinating. And you, there's also, um, people have posted her spoken, st- the statement, but she speaks it herself. There's audio of it on YouTube and you can find that too. And you can just like feel the anger in her voice. Mm-hmm. And, and, she's, and she is so coherent. Like she doesn't need this. It's Yes. And the difference between how she's speaking in that statement and how she sometimes speaks on her Instagram or oh other my social God. media accounts, it's like night and day. It is, it is night and day. It's mm-hmm. why it's absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the takeaways that I took from this statement is that she is essentially she's been forced to perform against her will. And she starts by saying that, you know, she was forced to go on tour in 2018 against her will because her management said, if I don't do this tour, I will have to find an attorney. My own management could sue me if I didn't follow through with the tour. He handed me a sheet of paper as I got off the stage in Vegas and I had to sign it. It was very threatening and scary. And with the conservatorship, I couldn't even get my own attorney. So out of fear, I went ahead and I did the work. So this seems to be in the same vein as a recent New York Times investigative report, which I think they released maybe on Tuesday or Monday. And I know Jam Session talked more about this. And it just referenced a transcript that they saw. And I think it was a court document where she, Brittany claimed that she had been forced to perform while sick with a, a 104 degree fever, calling it one of the scariest moments of her life. Mm-hmm. And it's this is just like her confirmation that, you know, everything she does is controlled by these people. And she's she's literally forced to work against her will. And she even in her statement compared it to like the sexual slavery that mm-hmm. exists. And because um, there really isn't other any other thing to compare it to because, you know, they've taken away her passport. They've taken away her credit cards. They only like allow her to do things when they say it's okay. And she literally has no say. And then the same article, the same New York Times article, which has, again, has done really great reporting, and they have read through these transcripts, have said that she wanted to make cosmetic changes to her home, like 
she wanted to restain her kitchen cabinets and she was forbidden by her own dad because he said it was going to cost too much money, which is just like, what? Yeah. In it's insane. And another one, another really, really sad parts that I think a lot of people are pulling out from this statement is um, that she's been forced to have an IUD inside of her and an IUD prevents pregnancy for those of you who don't know. And she said, I was told right now in the conservatorship, I'm not able to get married or have a baby. I have an IUD inside of myself right now, so I don't get pregnant. I wanted to take the IUD out so I could start trying to have another baby. But this so-called team won't let me go to the doctor to take it out because they don't want me to have any more children. So basically, this conservatorship is doing me way more harm than good. I mean, I was texting to my friend about this and she called it like this is like stuff that happens in like the handmaid's tale yeah yeah she's forced to be on medication she was saying all of a sudden she has this whole team of doctors and therapists and all these different people that are quote-unquote like looking out for her but they're absolutely not and harming her in all these various ways out of nowhere she was put on lithium which is a very strong drug she said she felt drunk taking it it also is very harmful if you stay on it for longer than five months she said um she couldn't talk she couldn't have a conversation with her mom or dad about anything she told her doctor she was scared her doctor this is a quote my doctor had me on six different nurses with this new medication come to my home stay with me monitor me on this new medication which i never wanted to be on to begin with it's just all the different things she was forced to do is just is really difficult to to like hear and to comprehend for her. Oh, totally. And they're saying uh, when she mentioned that doctor, who I think you're referring to, mm-hmm. Dr. Benson, who was her former therapist who passed away in 2019, she said, to be on- totally honest with you, when he passed away, I got on my knees and thanked God, which, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that just tells you all you need to know right there. Like what a harmful person he was and Mm -hmm. what her whole team is doing to her, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, this whole thing, I think it's interesting because as we've seen on her Instagram, like you've mentioned, she is portrayed as like carefree and just, I think I was listening to Jam Session and I think they called her feed like kind of bizarre, which it it is. It is kind Mm -hmm. of bizarre. It's like she's kind of erratic and um, just goofy on it. And it Mm -hmm. kind of seems like, okay, maybe she is a little out of it. But it's just it's wild to me because it's like it's in stark contrast to this person that was in court. And Mm -hmm. um, she even said about that. And that's why I'm telling you this again two years later, after I've lied and told the whole world I'm okay and I'm happy. It's a lie. I thought I just maybe have that said that enough because I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I am traumatized. You know, fake it till you make it. But now I'm telling you the truth. Okay. I'm not happy. I can't sleep. I'm so angry. It's insane. And I'm depressed. I cry every day. And that is just, that's so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. And I also think in the Instagrams where she's, she kind of looks disheveled, you know, she's kind of smeary makeup and you can see the extensions and whatnot. Well, she also said about her mom that during COVID, she would not allow her to get any self-care methods. So there were, she said there were no services available. And this is a quote from Brittany. She's lying, ma'am. My mom went to the spot 
twice in Louisiana during COVID. For a year, I didn't have my nails done. No hairstyling, no massages, no acupuncture, nothing for a year. I saw the maids in my home each week with their nails done a different uh, each time. She made me feel like my dad does. Very similar, her behavior and my dad, but just a different dynamic team wants me to work and stay home instead of having longer vacations. So again, she's, I think there's this idea that Brittany is disheveled and she's like manic and she, and, and her appearance on Instagram kind of adds to that when in reality, like they're preventing her from going mm-hmm. to the salon. They're preventing her to get her hair done and to get uh, like beauty treatments to almost yeah. yeah, it's her right to do the. It's like just your. It's a human freedom to do what you, and take care and and participate in things like that and get her nails done if she wants to. Like these things are so trivial in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And the fact that she wasn't even allowed to do that, she said she wasn't allowed to see friends that lived eight minutes away from her. She's not even allowed to be driven in a car by her it, boyfriend. It's wild. So, And they're like honestly conspiring against her to add to this narrative that she's crazy or like she's unwell just so they can keep control of her life and her finances. And it's just it's really sickening. And what's interesting to me is that she's called out her father. She said uh, one of the many things she said about him, the control he had over someone as powerful as me. He loved the control to hurt his own daughter 100,000%. He loved it. And um, she also takes aim at like just other family members in general. She says, I would honestly like to sue my family to be totally honest with you, which I find interesting because if you've followed any of, I guess, the other Spears children, she has an older brother, Brian, and she has a younger sister, Jamie Lynn. And, you know, Brian has talked about it on a podcast where he's like, He's kind of giving like a shaky non-answer where he's like, well, you know, the women in this family, they like to be outspoken and everyone wants to be free. And then Jamie even commented on Instagram saying, essentially, um, you have no right to speak about other people's mental health and personal matters. She's fine. She's strong. She's a badass. And at the same time, it was revealed, I think, in 2020 that Jamie Lynn has been named a trustee of Britney's uh, finances since 2018. So it's very much like, oh, okay, so this is clearly benefiting you too, Jamie Lynn. So don't like right. it, it's she, her whole family is conspiring against her. And it's yeah. just, and she is, I just, it's just, it's really frustrating to hear this. And, but I also think this is like a obviously so great that she got to have her voice and she, is speaking up for herself. And also I just want to congratulate the free Britney movement because I think for a very long time, they were kind of painted as crazy or they Mm -hmm. were like, right. Those, you know, free Britney people same, put them in a category with the pizza gate people, you know, which when, whenever, you know, you assume things about someone, I think that, can those are the kind of the ramifications is that you can be labeled like, well, we don't know for sure. This person hasn't spoken out, but now she has. So pretty much what they've been saying is right. And mm-hmm. I'm happy for them that they get vindicated. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I also think that they probably had a, a hand in helping uh, bring this kind of to light too. Right. Yeah. You know? That was going to be the last quote I was going to pull before I move into like how like the public and celebrities um, have reacted to this is just, she said, finally, it's embarrassing and demoralizing what I've been through. And that's the main reason I've never said it openly. And mainly I didn't want to say it openly because I honestly don't think anyone would have believed me. So I am, like you said, 
very happy. Everyone is rallying around her. This movement that has been rallying around her for a very long time. Um, so of course, when all this came out on Wednesday, a lot of people um, came out in support of her, including celebrities. I, I find this to be the one of the least interesting parts of this only because it's like, uh, I don't know, like we'll talk about this later, but Justin Timberlake, I don't want your thoughts on exactly. what you think about freaking Britney Spears. But so many celebrities came out, Missy Elliott, Mariah Carey, Eddie Cohen, mm-hmm. Sarah Jessica Bear, Wayne, Chloe, like everybody was yesterday tweeting like either hashtag free Britney or in some kind of support with her, which is great. And then least importantly, of course, is the Perez Hilton and Justin Timberlakes of the world who also in some way contributed to the harm that she has felt and like been done by people for a very long time. Kate, I know you wanted, you have some choice words about these two people. I just, you know, there was like four hours yesterday where everyone was talking about this. Like it was Mm -hmm. all anyone was talking about. People were, you know, I mean, finally she was, we were hearing what she actually had to say. We were learning the facts and the audacity to be one of the people who has contributed to harm in her career and her life, like mm-hmm. one of two most, I mean, significant people that I think any average person can think of, which mm-hmm. is Prez Hilton and Justin Timberlake, to be watching this and go, yes, actually, people need to hear from me right now. I need to make my voice heard in this exact moment uh, in support of Britney. And this is the right call. Mm-hmm. Uh and they both tweeted out their support of Britney. And first of all, like it was the hypocrisy and people immediately called them out on it. And we're like, you are a, a cause of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, you can't just take that back now and be <laughs> like, we should all be, you know, I support her and we should all be in charge of our own decisions. Like I, how are you saying that? But it was the timing for me. It was like, you could have taken this back in a week. You could have post an apology today you could have you know what I mean like if you were gonna apologize and gonna sort of center yourself in this conversation I think there was a more appropriate time for you to try to do that even though you shouldn't be trying to do that Mm -hmm. and it was the fact that like they looked at the timeline were like great great time to like just smash send on this tweet get some clicks be part of this buzzy moment uh, cause that was clearly Yikes. the thinking, especially behind press Hilton was like, I have to get yeah. in on this. Like I got to get the engagement. Totally. And I just, I'm like, I, the fact that you just like had to get your tweet out to me was just appalling. Yeah. <laughs> just both of those men. Yeah. I'm like you, <laughs> if, if there is no better time to just like sink, like do the, the Simpson meme into the bushes. Like you, yeah. we don't need to hear from you at all. I don't know why I'm even talking about them. It just really pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, we don't need to hear from you ever. Especially about this. Yep. Especially about this. I totally, yeah. totally agree with everything you said. And it's just like, okay, it's not about you. It's not about you. And like you said, it's not time to make your little jokes. And honestly, I, you know, like Andy Cohen had this thing on his Watch What Happens live show where he has like Jackal of the Day, which is pretty much like the jackass of the day. And he called out um, Brittany's dad, Jamie, and one of the former lawyers, Andrew Wallet, and he was making like puns where he's like, Britney's stronger than yesterday. And uh, I have this to say to you, Jamie, that you better work, bitch. And it's just like, these are puns about her songs. And that's, it's a, I personally thought it was a little tacky to do that because it's like, this is a, this is a person's life. And it's, 
under siege right now and you have to make these funny little like, oh, that's the name of her song jokes. And it kind of like brought me back to when Whitney Houston died and people were saying, we will always love her. And and just like, what? Okay, someone died. Like this, that's just like, oh my God, that's disgusting. Right. Like as yeah. people who are, you know, try to create content out of nothing every week, like there's a time when like the content speaks for itself. You know what I mean? Right. Like all you have to do is talk about all these incredibly new and shocking and appalling things that we've learned about Britney in the last 24 hours. And like, there's mm-hmm. so much of that. Like you don't need, you don't need to embellish, you know, right, like right. you don't need to do all of that. Like do less, let her right. words do more. Right. Uh, like we just tried to do. And, and that's that, you know what I mean? So I think it's possible to show support in a much uh, less tacky way. I would agree. Totally. We are going to move on to the next categories. And especially, Chris, as you guys know, the second category of the show is like the mashup. Hard pivot. So what I would say before I move on again Mm -hmm. is just I will encourage you to read her full statement. It is online everywhere. Consume Mm -hmm. other content about the Free Britney movement. Like Amelia said, there's the Hulu doc that we all watch. New York Times has written a bunch of amazing things about this entire saga for her. So while we did, I don't, we did actually longer than I thought, like we're (laughs) 20 plus minutes in. So I'm happy we gave it the time, but I think everyone should also like just, you know, consume it for yourself. Continue educating yourself about, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess let's do it. Uh, This is Not Worth the Tea this week in social media and our miscellaneous category. So Kate, take it away. Just a full pivot to some of the most cursed news of the week. Just brightening our spirits with some horrifying content. Um, Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to send this to Amelia in a minute because unfortunately she's made masked content her brand. (laughs) Uh, sadly don't but look at her sad face oh, I, yeah. uh, regrets <laughs> she has regrets I can see it on her face uh, but Netflix has released a new dating show you know and they love to do the dating show that's like horrible but people can't stop talking about it you know like that's their strategy and that's what they've done with this they have combined sort of the mass Singer with a dating show and it's called Sexy Beasts mm. and the concept is you know, you want to date someone based on personality. You don't want to do it based on looks, which is what they did with Love is Blind. So it's kind of a similar concept to that. However, it's so much worse because they are putting their contestants in prosthetics and makeup and masks, and they're making them look like any variety of horrifying animals uh, and aliens and beasts. And then they go on dates with each other in these costumes that they don't know what each other look like. And then they have to choose their partners without seeing them. Um, and I honestly would urge you to watch this trailer because it's hard to explain quite what these people look like in mm-hmm. these outfits and doing their activities. They're bowling, they're throwing darts, they're at dinner, they're mm. trying to kiss. There's one scene where they're trying to kiss, and one of them's like a <laughs> devil and has like devil horns and a devil chin, and the other one's in like a furry mask. And it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe I know we're gonna have to watch this. Like, I we're know we're gonna have to watch this. Watch this. Oh <laughs> I just, Amelia, oh. as our masked expert, like you've done mass singing, you've done mass dancing. This is mass dating. How do you feel? Oh my God. Well, it's not part of the masked original right. brand. So. Right. Are you a purist? <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't I'm mean a little to, bit. I didn't oh, mean yeah. to tarnish. Unless tarnish Jenny McCarthy is uh, involved, <laughs> oh, you know. I, actually, I should mention Rob Delaney is the host. Uh, huh. Which oh, is interesting. A, he's actually huh. like legitimately extremely funny, which. 
Makes me think that this is more of like they're more self-aware than we thought they were. Okay, you know? definitely. Def- yeah, there's a stark difference between having Nick Cannon as like exactly. the host and uh, or, Rob uh, Delaney. Obviously, I'm Nick Lachey, you know, like, oh, like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. night true. day. So, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, so I'm not sure about that. <laughs> But I'm sorry just, that you're right. It's not the official mask. Yeah, branding. it's not official. So I'm a little hesitant. I'll be honest. And <laughs> honestly, fair. I was I was so I, I didn't watch the whole entire trailer because it made me like I don't it, blame it you. me out, which is sounds <laughs> insane. Like, you know, because like you said, I've kind of um, unfortunately made this my brand. But uh, the mask, at least the ones that I saw, the masks seemed a little too real. It was like a little uncanny valley to yes. me, you know, and like mm-hmm. exaggerated. Or have you seen the dog with the human eyes? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it a meme? <laughs> I'm on Google it's like, Images right it's now. It's a dog that literally has a human face. That is the vibe. You're right. That they is have, the vibe. And yeah. it yeah. looks like that. And it's just so creepy to look at that dog. It and it is creepy to look at these people. And then you've got like the girl, like and every single one of the um, trailers that they put on in social media, the frame that they uh, have it on when you like are scrolling is this woman I think who is a dolphin and there's like a giant blowhole and I just Horrible. like it, I don't like that oh, I see that <laughs> no Do you, it's it's horrific um she has the human eyes and I'm just like I don't want to see that um yeah so that is my main concern because at least the mass singer it was campy and like the right. costumes were and like they're yes, costumes they're right. not like literally prosthetics and like right. they don't right. look as like creepy. they went to some like they went, they probably went to the guy who did like uh, Charlie's Theron's nose right. <laughs> for Bombshell. That's probably yeah. who they went to to do right. these, and and it's just like that's too realistic for me. I don't yes. need that. And also, it seems like the whole mask thing that they stole it from the mask singer. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you know, which is like okay, they're capitalizing on the mask movement right they, now. <laughs> they are, and it just like get an original idea, maybe. Mm. Yep. <laughs> or That's just for season two of Love is Blind. We all right. talked about that. that. Everyone was like, bring Nick Lachey back, I suppose. But it's like, Woo. it's the same concept. Just I don't have to stare at someone. I'm looking right. at this dolphin with the blowhole. It's, right? it's so actually haunting. It's haunting. It. Yeah. <laughs> so I I just, I uh, I mean, I'll yeah. probably watch an episode, but then it's just like, I don't yeah. know. I can't. I can't do this. You I know, can't. we're going to cover it on this podcast. <laughs> whether we like it or we'll not. We'll be forced to cover it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Who's doing it? Okay, you guys. Yeah. All right, next one. What's up, Amelia? (sighs) Nick Cannon, who, I mean, I, again, I guess he's the host of The Masked Singer and does other stuff. I don't really know what to call him anymore because he's just like always there. He's kind of omnipresent. But anyway, he is (laughs) expecting his fourth child in less than a year. His fourth kid in less than a year. Um, Model Alyssa Scott took to her Instagram story on Father's Day to wish Nick a happy Father's Day. And it was an image of him holding her pregnant belly. And this comes after she posted about four weeks ago a naked photo pregnancy shot of herself with the caption Mm -hmm. Zen S. Cannon. And apparently she's expecting this baby any day now. And this is in addition to twins Zion Maxolidian and Zillion Air good one with uh he has with international dj abby de la rosa which and they were born on june 14th of this year june 14th of this year like weeks ago like weeks ago wow and this also comes after uh his another 
I guess I don't I see I don't know where these women are in his life if they're right. uh, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so he after, probably he, doesn't either at this he, point <laughs> exactly he had a baby named P- powerful queen who I think we might have talked about with model slash Miss Guam slash Miss Arizona Brittany Bell back in December wow and they share they already share like a four-year-old kid and again he also has twins with Mariah Carey etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. but he so this is I'm just I'm shocked that this is his fourth child in under a year he had mm-hmm. a busy father's day he had can you imagine trying father's to field day. presents and texts wow I mean and also it's just like I don't know if I were these women I'd be kind of like rude like rude you know right. Yeah, there's so many levels to that that I just can't (laughs) even process. Right, and I mean, you know, I'm not here to shame him, I guess. I think it's a little irresponsible. Is that okay for me to say? Um, (laughs) But it's just like... Rich people play by other rules, man. Rich men in particular. (laughs) But it's just... You know, again, that's a lot. His kids, okay, so his kids, his two twins were born 10 days ago and he's (laughs) expecting a new baby any day now. (laughs) The timeline does not lie, and that's a pretty fucked up timeline. That is a lot. I I feel for these women who are like in these lovey dovey poses with him, and it's like, so was he cheating on you or what's going on? Yeah, lack of support. I'm pretty sure Mariah Carey has probably all the support she needs, but the other ones. For the other one, yeah. Mariah's yeah. like, who are you again? Like, I li- literally, you yeah. just, you know, which blame I don't her. blame her. So good for Mariah yeah. Carey. Good yeah. for her. Um, next one is I. I swear we just did this, but apparently Kaya tells us it's a new house, so we got to talk about it again. It's Cara Delevingne being featured in Architectural Digest, mm. well, and I guess my brain is broken, but maybe she switches houses a lot. This is something new, I guess, that was just covered this week, and the house is. Just as zany and kooky as her last one that we talked about. Um, We'll spend, I suppose, a little bit of time on it, but you can look at all the photos for yourself on Architectural Digest. The magazine describes it as Saint-Tropez meets Coney Island meets Cotswold Cottage meets Monte Carlo meets Butch Leather Bar. Well, that's a lot of meets, 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 meets. It is, Amelia. It really is. And (laughs) they aren't wrong because this this house has a lot of different themes, which they go into detail. There's the Mm. fun and games theme. Mm. So she has a poker room, a ball pit, a display wall of kooky hats and a costume room for dress up parties and two trampolines set into the ground near her floaty stocked pool. She says, if I'm having a bad day, I just hop in the ball pit. You can't really cry in a ball pit. Which is wise true. words, Cara Delvin. I guess. And then, of course, the thing that we spent a lot of time on Slack talking about that I don't really want to talk too much about on the pod. You got to is- do it. You got to do it, Liz. You put it in here. I actually did. I did assign myself pink because I didn't have anything else in this category. Now I regret it. Uh, is she has a vagina tunnel in her home. <laughs> Mom, stop listening. It is a secret passageway behind a low painted panel, which leads from the living room to a bunk room. Mm. So you entered the the birth canal <laughs> through a certain kind of sculpture. And then you crawl out of a round washing machine door, which looks like a rectum. This is how it's described uh. in the article. And I lost it at this particular because, you know, that like this is how she described it. Like this is this was her vision. And it's like there's just something about her houses. This one and the last one that is so like 
like, why is it so sexual? They're just rooms. Why do you have to be like, (laughs) this is my room and like, this is the sex dungeon and like, here are the handcuffs. Like, and like, because there are, there are pictures of like a swing and then there's like a random handcuff leash in one of these rooms. Mm. I did not see the infamous sex bench, but I did look for it. Uh, And I'm just like, Kara, like you didn't invent human sex you know like it's like she thinks it's like she thinks that she did and like she has created these like homes to be like her own like christian gray sex dungeon oh and i'm like you're God. fucking cara delavine like it's fine like is you know? she the female christian gray i just i it's like she thinks she is and like she but like the fun version no and i'm like we get it cara well, like that's it's fine say, it's like she could be and that's fine i just don't want an architect <laughs> right. i just cover every three months just like why right why have you created so many houses and so so many aggressively <laughs> phrased articles about them where you're comparing your yeah. hallways to the birth canal like we don't have to do this we don't have to right you know like right. if you get yeah. you get invited over to Kara Delavine's house and she's like come into the birth canal with me I'm like I don't know Kara I don't me- know that's the least interesting part of her homes. She has a David Bowie memorial bathroom in this new home. And I'm like, tell me more about that. Architectural right. digest. What does that look like? Why did she choose a David Bowie memorial bathroom theme? And, and actually, instead, I, I'm I don't, about the rectum tunnel. I don't hate the house. I like the colors. Yeah, I think sure. it's fun. Some of these rooms, some of this like furniture is really beautiful. It's just like the, the overarching vision drives me insane. Right. And not just with too much time on this, but I do in all these articles with these wacky homes, love the kitchens because you can't do that much weird shit with the kitchen. Right. No matter true. how kooky and how many tunnels you have in your home, the kitchen is she's got some countertops and a fridge and a dishwasher. I'm like, yeah, you can't, you can't. Good job. You didn't, you didn't fuck that one up. Well, now she's going to take that as a challenge, Elizabeth. Oh my God. have a new house in three months. So thanks for that. Oh God. Okay. Next one. Guys, thank God, Paris Hilton is no longer interested in making billions of dollars. Okay. Um, <laughs> which was the headline I read this week, and I just let out like an enormous sigh. She went on this <laughs> Just for a Variety podcast, and she claims that her driving force is no longer money, as she is now focused on her relationship with her new fiancé, Carter Room. Um, because I guess previously I had not come across this quote of hers, but she had stated in her This Is Paris documentary that she will not slow down until she becomes a billionaire. Hmm. And now I guess she feels differently. Um, Apparently making a billion dollars was very important to her previously because she wasn't happy in her personal life. (laughs) Okay. Um, But now she's incredibly happy with her new fiance and all that. She's not interested in billions. She's interested in babies. Wow. Good one, Paris. Wow. That's one like, of the less relatable things she's ever said, to Christ, be honest with you. I know. Her net worth is over $300 million. Like, How? I don't know why. It's the perfume? Family. Oh, okay. Oh. No. Actually, I think her perfume and her actual business ventures are very profitable. But at, for, where did that come from? You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Yeah. The Nepotism. Yeah, of course. Wow. So wow. I was just actually quite annoyed at this. We are Paris Hilton fans in general, but I was like, girl... No one gives a shit if you're no longer interested in making a billion dollars because you have just under that. 
you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like what's like what's is there that big of a difference? <laughs> you know, I like don't. telling people, yeah. Like not to be so. like I just it, like what are you gonna spend a billion dollars on that you can't spend three hundred million dollars on? I was like, you why know, is that your go- Yeah, you already got three hundred million. Why do you need like, a billion? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Great anyway, question. Last one in the category, Amelia, take it away. Yes. Yeah, so there was a a clip circulating Twitter and it was from a soon to be released Netflix series called This Is Pop. And in it, T-Pain, the rapper, singer, who I think we all love, he's a great guy. Mm -hmm. He revealed that he fell into a depression for four years after Usher approached him on a plane in 2013 and accused him of, quote, fucking up music for real singers, unquote. And people obviously were pissed off because what has T-Pain done to people other than make good music? You know, like, okay, well, so you don't like the robot voice, but I mean, it's fun. It paved the way for new music. Then everyone started using it. Well, I don't see what's so wrong. And if you don't like it, then don't listen to it. There are a million different other types of music out there. And also, yeah, people were quick to point out on Twitter that Usher made OMG with Will I Am three years prior, and that has auto-tune in it, and it has EDM. And it's just a horrible song. So, (laughs) fuck you, Usher. And a long time for T-Pain to be depressed about that. I I really rocked him. Yes, he went away and then he had to come back on The Masked Singer, not to mention that show again. And apparently Usher had told a flight attendant to wake up T-Pain and then tell him to go back and talk to him, which is so disrespectful. And also it's like you don't wake someone up and berate them. Okay, they're disoriented. They don't know what's going on. And Ima- he did that. Imagine being like shaken awake by a flight attendant being like, Usher wants to speak with you. Yeah. And how do you know what's happening? How like, do I hate your music? <laughs> how rude. It's like, am I dreaming? What is this a nightmare? <laughs> That's a horrible thing to picture. That's so very sad. Music. Wow. I T-Pain. And T-Pain, after, even after all this, he's such a good guy that he took to Twitter to, quote, clarify his statements, even though he didn't even need to clarify them. And he <laughs> said that he in no way disrespects Usher and he's, he still admires him. And it's just like, you don't need to clarify yourself, T-Pain. Usher yeah. seems like a dick and he has not addressed this at the time of recording. So Usher, the people demand an apology because we that do. is so rude. That's so at rude. Least, at least for waking him up, like bare minimum. At least, bare and minimum. also an apology for using Usher bucks and made us right. all think. I was going to bring that up too. <laughs> but jokes on Usher because didn't T-Pain win the Masked Singer? So he's he on the up and up. So. He, yep. Exactly. What has Usher done lately? Hmm? <laughs> yeah. You know? Exactly. For sure. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of reels always in reach. 
Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Okay, let's move on. Spot is really picked up, actually. I'm feeling the energy. Um, We're going to do cringe mode. We are covering The Devil Wears Prada, released in 2006. It's the 15-year anniversary this year, or this month, right, Kate? Mm -hmm. I think it's next week, but we're ahead of the game. (laughs) Yes, and you know what? The Rewatchables, you know, may have covered this back in 2018. That's okay. It's a new spin on it. New take. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a fantastic movie. I freaking love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Kate, the plot, please. Anne Hathaway is Andy, who is an aspiring uh, journalist in New York. And she applies for a job as the assistant to Miranda Priestly, who is, you know, the Anna Wintour, basically, of this movie. And she works for her at this fashion magazine. Miranda Priestly is just a horrible boss. So mean, so toxic. Andy doesn't care about fashion. So she has to navigate this industry that she knows nothing about, cares nothing about. Um, She ends up, you know, being good at her job, learning, improving to sort of the anger and jealousy of her boyfriend and her friends, which are like, you know, think it's very trivial. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, uh, she bonds with Miranda, but then Miranda is like, I see a lot of myself in you. Andy's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this industry. All the crazy things I've had to do for you were not worth it. She leaves, becomes a regular journalist, uh, gets back together with her mean boyfriend, which we'll talk about. (laughs) uh, And things end up happy. Is that concise enough a lot of people are seeing this movie they don't need that's great yeah that's good all right let's do the highlights amelia yes okay highlights i i just you know meryl streep and we'll talk about this later but as miranda Priestley is so funny and she she's just she's got it you know she's Mm -hmm. reading people left and right so many iconic quotes again we'll Mm -hmm. get to that um but like when we first meet her she totally reads andy because Andy goes to this interview and reveals that she has never read Runway Magazine, which she is applying to work for. Are you like, oh, good, good. You should read her because that is the first rule of interviews. You go in knowing what magazine you're applying for, what the job is. Like, uh, that is the bare minimum. Pick up a magazine and read it, goddammit. Did you have to wait in the waiting room? Because I know it's on the coffee table. Like, read one article. 
Fun. Also, she asked who Miranda was, which is like, <laughs> number one, do your research, figure out the company you're interviewing for. Also, she's a professional. She like brags about the Northwestern Chronicle or whatever the hell she yeah. worked. Like, she's clearly professional enough, and yet she can't freaking research. It's 2006. The yeah. internet exists. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Awful. I have to tell you, this was like a mild low light for me. This was a little triggering because it reminded me of my interview for The Ringer. <laughs> not because I admitted not to knowing who people were, but I was Googling Bill Simmons. I was Googling See, The Ringer well, the half hour before my interview, reading good. articles, being like, what can I say that I've read? And there was definitely a moment when I was interviewing with the copy chief where he was like, so you're not into sports at all? Like, <laughs> do you know what we do? And I was like, uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I got, I was a little bit triggered by this scene, uh, you know, watching it again. I was like, hmm, well, it worked out for me in the end. Here we yeah, are. Yeah, but look where the three of us non-sports fans I know. How, yeah, there, how did we do it, guys? There's a place for us. <laughs> yeah, you know? we lied in our interviews. That's how we did it. Um, um Liz, yeah. next highlight. Hit it. Being an assistant is tough work at times. And I'm not even, rel- like, I have been an assistant for many years and just, beyond that movie, not from my own experiences. I just thought that it was like, um, it depicted it in like, obviously a very Hollywood way that's fast paced and you're sprinting around and you're grabbing your little coffee and that you almost spill, you almost get run over by a car, which actually Emily, the first assistant does uh, Mm. later in the movie. But anyway, um, I just kind of enjoy, I don't know, maybe it's because I've done the job, but I really enjoy movies like that. And you know what did it completely wrong that I was not thrilled by is what's that Zoe Dutch movie that came out on Netflix? Oh, set it, set up. it up. Yeah. That bad assistant um, depiction, this good one, just because it's more entertaining to watch. Right. Also, um, it made yeah. me feel better about my current assistant duties. Like I was like, oh, my job's so much easier than this. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, okay, I feel or better. Like she she fucks up and you're like, yeah, I've been there. So, and then you're like all yep. sad. You're like near tears. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, Highlight for me. There's that just so many iconic scenes in this movie. Uh, yeah. But the one that I've seen the most, I think a lot of people have seen the most, is the Cerulean monologue mm. where, you know, Andy walks in. They're talking about belts. She's like, oh, my God, both of those belts look the same. And Miranda Priestley just absolutely ruins her life and gives her this monologue about how, you know, her fashion choices have been shaped by the mm. history of the fashion industry, which came from indigo dyes, which came from, you know, all basically this whole background of like the people in this room chose that sweater for you. Good. Yes. Uh, which is just mwah, chef's kiss. And I've seen it so many times and I was like almost prepared to like zone out during it while I was watching this scene again. And it's just every time I'm like, oh, man, it's so good. It hits Every single time. <laughs> it is powerful. Because, yeah, really her whole is. thing, which I think I'll talk more about in the little light, is like, yeah, I don't, she doesn't care. She's, like, too cool for it. But, no, even the bottom of the barrel shit where she's shopping was chosen at one point by, yeah, people in the room. It's crazy. There right. are so many good scenes. And I have only watched this movie a handful of times and haven't watched it in a long, long, long time up until yesterday. But— so much sticks out. The Harry Potter scene where mm. Andy and Hathaway has to f- somehow find a manuscript of the unpublished new Harry Potter Ooh. book is so good. And it's just like such a very specific plot line that mm-hmm. just stays with you. I feel like there's so many things in this movie that come back to you immediately after you watch yeah. it. And they're Definitely. efficient too. You know what I mean? I feel like yes. another movie could have taken a half hour to find the damn Harry Potter book and you would have yeah. met all these new characters and you, she would have been like have running into all these issues. Whereas like the Harry Potter storyline is like introduced and wrapped up in like 
12 minutes maybe yes. less and maybe like, less but we don't miss anything we feel like we feel her stress and like we we see every step of it but it's like super satisfying just like a little like yeah. side plot it's a guys it's a fire b plot as they say uh, yeah. um, <laughs> but yeah it's just this movie is so efficient in like its characterization and all of its little like side plots it's yeah mm-hmm. last one um, great highlight for tea time i almost said this when i was doing the uh plot all the character names are really similar to the actors' <laughs> names. I think oh, by weird. coincidence, because this was a book first. Uh, hmm. But Emily Blunt plays Emily. Meryl Streep plays Miranda. And Anne oh. Hathaway plays Andy. So I was like, even if we mess up and just call them by the actor names, <laughs> wow. we're just set for this movie. We're in good shape. That's a good point. That's was good that on purpose? I don't think so. Huh. They said that Rachel McAdams was almost in this movie instead of Anne Hathaway. And then the oh. instead. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, lowlights, I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Take the job seriously. You're not cooler because you're scoffing at the belts that they're looking mm-hmm. at. They take this seriously. This is the livelihood of the fashion industry in general. It's just the livelihood of many, many people. And her being like, yeah. those two belts are the same. It's like, no, Andy, you know, commit yourself. You right. know, I don't care about sports. I care about these NBA playoffs. I care about the NFL <laughs> kickoff coming up to do the you? summer. Yeah. Yes, do you? Catherine, I think I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, that was the only part looking back after having a job where I'm like, Damn, at least like commit, you know? She right. literally laughs in the room with the editor in chief, probably the, head designers. Ooh, or you know? like educate yourself about it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like take it as a learning opportunity. Like be like, why are those belts different? Like right. who is there LeBron you James? You know, right. like just tell me more. <laughs> You're not cooler because you don't know the difference between mm. the two belts. Just, you know, right. soak That's it so in. true. Yeah. yeah. So Amelia, what's your little light? Um, yeah, kind of going off on her when she transformed kind of her slow then quick transformation into like this fashion plate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's she's at a dinner with her friends and her boyfriend and she's nice enough to give them all these awesome, expensive gifts. And she's like, here's like a really expensive Marc Jacobs bag and this really cool phone and Kiehl's or Clinique products and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh my God, this is so great. This is so expensive and awesome. And it's like a free, everyone loves free stuff. Um, and then she gets a call from Miranda and her friend's, play uh what's the game where you don't you throw it and you it's hot like potato a, <laughs> hot potato they put, thank <laughs> you of. sorry i was doing a bad job explaining that um hot potato with the phone where they won't let her take it and answer it when it's like her freaking boss calling her Insane. and and they're like ha, ha 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 and it's just like <laughs> she just gave you thousands of dollars worth of gifts and you're gonna play hot potato with her phone and make mm-hmm. her look bad in front of her boss, you're assholes. Like you're ac- that pissed me off. Yeah, mm-hmm. I that would be it. I would be done. I'd be like, yeah. you Same. don't let me answer my phone, and you're literally taking it from me when my boss is calling. Like we are. Th- when I was yeah. just so nice to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Fuck deal breaker. Her, her friends. Yeah, I know. I agree. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Okay. True low light for this movie for me, which actually really bothered me watching this, is this movie kind of strikes this. It tries to strike this tone between making fun of like the superficial aspects of the fashion industry and also sort of enjoying the fashion industry. And I think uh, just one way that this didn't really work is there's just this sort of constant jokes about like fat shaming and, and sort of like skinny privilege in this industry, which everyone knows is true. The fashion industry still has a huge problem with this, but this movie like sort of makes jokes about it, but also doesn't like hold them accountable, like kind of falls Mm -hmm. into that Mm -hmm. itself. 
And they're just all these jokes, you know, like she's talking to Stanley Tucci and he's like, you know, four is the new two, two is the new four and four is the new six. And she's like, I'm a six. And it's just like, okay, like, okay, uh, that just didn't age well. And also there's this line where Anne Hathaway is talking about how she, you know, is not right for this position. And she goes, I'm not skinny or glamorous. I'm like, you're Anne Hathaway. And there was this era, there was this era in, I mean, we kind of saw this in the Princess Diaries as well. Mm-hmm. We're like, <laughs> so true. And even like in Ella Enchanted when she's like the ugly stepsister. And I'm like, there was this strange era of Anne Hathaway casting where she was like typecast as like frumpy and uncool. And, Insane. And people were like actively pretending like she's not the most conventionally beautiful woman alive. <laughs> and I'm like, are, like, are we looking at her? She, I mean, she literally like in this movie, a mil- like four different times is like, oh, I like, I'm not that sad. Like, that's not going to fit me. Or like, they're talking about her outfits or whatever. And I'm like, literally, you are so skinny. And I just am so annoyed uh, that this was where we were in 2006, that we were like making fun of how Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. looks when she is so conventionally attractive. She's stunning, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the worst part was like at the very end of the movie, right before she quits, like she and Stanley Tucci had this like nice moment. Uh, he was leaving the company and they were having this like nice kind of whatever exchange between the two of them. And then they cheers to each other and he says something again about being a size six and she goes, size four now. And he's <sighs> like, oh, and then like clink the champagne and drink it. <laughs> And that's supposed to be kind of like more when she's becoming self-aware of the like, mo- like, and she still said, I don't know. Right. And, it was and like as viewers moment. were supposed to be like, oh, like good for her. It's like, yeah. can we not, do we have yeah. to do that? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just was a bummer to watch a little bit. I was like, oh, I, I was annoyed yeah. for Anne Hathaway and I was annoyed for us as yeah. viewers <laughs> yeah. in 2021. True. Um, yeah. So yeah, that wasn't great. That was a real low light for me and did not age well, which brings yeah. us to the next category. Ah, uh, yes. Thank you. What has aged the best and the worst, Amelia? The beginning, Suddenly I See by KT Tunstall, which what happened to her? Um, <laughs> it's just it fits. It's so integral to the mm. beginning of this film. You know, they're talking about women and uh, like the idea of like this perfect woman that you strive to be. And it just it just fits perfectly with this film. And I'm like, wow, it's still after all these years, it still fits pretty great. So it is I good. would a hard press to think of a more like 2004, 2005, 2006, like era song. Mm. than something <laughs> yeah. I see by Casey Tunstall. <laughs> great song. I it's, love that. It's yeah. still great. Age the best for me is my mom's just decade long crush on Simon Baker. He <laughs> plays uh, just like the other man in this movie. He's mm. kind of like a sketchy, like fashion writer guy who, you know, she sleeps with after she becomes like this new person. We're supposed to see that he's not right for her and that he's part of this world that she's not really a part of. Uh, but Simon Baker is just still really hot. He was hot then. <laughs> uh, he's underrated. And my mom is right for being obsessed with him for 10 years. Kate. You know I love and respect your mom, Mrs. Hallowell, but I mm-hmm. hate this take. I hate this <laughs> you guy. Hate he's Simon, so slimy Simon in Baker? the movie. No, yes. he's so attractive. No, he's so slimy. He's so slimy. He looks great. I never watched <laughs> The Mentalist. I don't know if your mom was a big mentalist. Oh, she head, sure but, was. Okay, so <laughs> I, I have to watch that. Um, because that was going to be mine. Is like I started writing down how well all of these people have age and like, I cannot believe Anne Hathaway, Meryl Streep, Stanley Tucci. And then I was like, mm. and Emily, like, I guess the entire cast just looks beautiful then and now. And they've aged mm-hmm. amazing. And then I got to Simon Baker and I was like, besides that creepy little guy, I hate him. So, <laughs> so you would take um, Adrian Grenier in this movie over Simon Baker? Like I, personalities aside. 
Okay, like, personalities aside, yes. I'm so sick of the, is he the evil character? Which yeah, one we're going to talk, talk about, about that. But yeah. <laughs> um, okay, but first, let's do MVPs. Kate. Uh, I'm going to take Emily Blunt just because I wanted a chance to talk about her. She is so <laughs> fucking funny in this movie. And this mm-hmm. was like early Emily Blunt uh, before she became like a big star. She's like the 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 first assistant, basically. She has such a funny dynamic with Andy uh, in this movie. She wasn't supposed to be British. They were like, it's actually funnier if she's British. Like, let's just keep her British. Uh, and she just, she talks, she just has these great lines. She's such a bitch in such mm-hmm. a funny way. Uh, she has these things where it's like, you know, she can't leave the desk, so she has to pee. And like, she's on this diet where she eats a cube of cheese every time she feels like she's going to faint, which <laughs> is another, again, like toxic fat shaming culture, but still just a really funny line. Um, yeah. And her line delivery, and she's just such a side character, but she's just, not to overuse it, but she's iconic. Yeah, I want her to be in more comedies. I want her yes. to have more. She is so freaking good. Now, she's like this amazing action star, like, right. you know, the Edge of Tomorrow era of Emily Blunt, where she's mm-hmm. like this, like, buff, amazing, kick-ass fighter. But she fucking rocks this role. I love she's her in this so movie. She's so funny. The blue eyeshadow and the red <laughs> hair is just so good. Just like freaking on the amazing. edge of losing it at all times. Oh, and I just I know. love it. Yeah, I, love I know. It. Uh, Amelia, who's your MVP? Yeah, you know, really a lot of great performances in this movie, but I just, you know, this is an iconic Meryl Streep role. And I don't know if she knew at the time it was going to be one of her most iconic roles, but it certainly has become that. It is truly right up there with, I I mean, like stuff she did in the 70s. Um, And honestly, she should have won an Oscar for this because she is so cold and so good as Miranda Priestly. And she she scares me. She really, I... I'm afraid. So just love her in this role. This is going to be a really dumb comma because this is the point of acting, but she does become that person. Like yeah. she fully, <laughs> I was like, this is a cold hearted bitch woman. Her voice, her mm. mannerisms, the way she, her eyes move across the room mm-hmm. is just absolutely insane. Insane. Yeah. And then it makes such a stark contrast because then this is, I guess credit to the books and the, but when Andy catches her in her Paris hotel room after her husband asked for another divorce and she's like really upset, she's makeup free, her hair, mm-hmm. you know, she's like so vulnerable. It's amazing. The last yeah. scene, she gives this tiny little smile and like right. everyone interprets that as like, is she happy for Andy? Did she give her blessing to go and be, you know, it's just like, yeah. Ugh, so Meryl. Good. It's Meryl. 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 She turned out just great actress as it turns out. Uh, no. Um, Okay, lightning round. Kate, did you write these questions? Do you want to take, or Amelia? Um, I think we split them. Okay, go ahead. All right, what is the best fashion moment in this film? It's a fashion movie. A lot of options to choose from. Amelia? I honestly can't, and I hadn't noticed it before, but I can't stop thinking about Aunt Stanley Tucci's big ass ring. Did you see <laughs> yes. that thing? Yeah. It was huge. It was huge. And I was like, <laughs> how have I never noticed this before? So like, shout out to the ring. Um, and then again, Emily Blunt's blue eyeshadow with the red hair. I mean, her beautiful sparkling alabaster skin <laughs> can pull off that light blue eyeshadow and it looks so good and frosty on her. It does. That it's was amazing. like the peak the peak of like 2004 blue eyeshadow in style. <laughs> She's got kind of the skinny eyebrows. It was like, that was yeah. a platonic ideal. Yeah. That was like what we thought we looked like uh, when we were wearing those kinds of things. Uh, yeah. Liz, what was yours? I'm blowing up this image I put in the outline so I can pr- describe it properly. Um, <laughs> as a side comment, Anne Hathaway looks amazing with bangs. I think we should, yeah. I almost was like, Absolutely do I get agree. bangs? Me too. Every time I see this movie, I'm like, bangs, maybe? Like, would she I look so incredible? 
Yeah. I know. She rocks the side bang. She rocks the heavy, chunky bang. Mm-hmm. She rocks like the PC. So difficult. So it's like so many different bang looks and she looks yeah. great. So that is mm-hmm. like kind of my answer. But I really like when she transforms and kind of like owns mm-hmm. the assistant role, owns the fashion industry, like kind of steps in to her own in this um, sure. in this job. And she, of course, that comes with like a, tra- like her clothing transformation. She goes from frumpy to like cutting edge. She's like putting together all these looks. Everyone's like, ooh, where'd you get that? Anyway, so there's in her, the height of that, she goes and drops something off at Meryl Streep's house. And she is in a, I will do my best to describe this, a tweed plaid newsboy cap. Hell a yeah. Buttoned up all the way to the top, white button up like blouse. And then over that, a shoulderless, what do you call off the shoulder off the black? Shoulder, off the shoulder, yeah. yeah. Black sweater and extremely chunky PC Chanel necklaces over that. <laughs> and I really enjoyed that, like, we're interpreting that as like the height and like she owns yes. fashion and she knows fashion now. Yeah. So, I'm like so that. glad you picked this. This was, this is the answer. <laughs> this is like the look. Yeah. Uh, I totally agree. And then I also, there are a lot of montages of her after mm-hmm. she has her transformation walking around the streets of New York, like where she's yes. like got her sleek blowout. She's got her job. Like she's got it down. And she just wears like seven incredible coats in a row in like a 30 <laughs> second sequence. And I was like, oh, coat. Oh, another great coat. Uh, so those were great as well. But you're right. The page boy cap just always, you got to go mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Who is the best side character or cameo? We talked a lot about Stanley Tucci. We did not put him in MVP, yeah. I think, because we all put him here. I mean, he's just, no one does this character better. Like the, just like the gay BFF character. Just, he's so likable and charming, even though he's like kind of a dick. Yes. Yeah, he's a bit of a dick, but it's also like her, you know, like kind of the guiding light, like North Star mm-hmm. for her, which is really nice. Like a lot of tough love, but also like, you know, he right. cares. It's right. great. Yeah, no one's better. Uh, and then also the Giselle cameo. <laughs> just sends, I always forget about it. And then she pops up and I'm like, that's Giselle in horrible little skinny glasses oh, in know. the middle of this office. She has like four lines. Uh, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, no one will ever believe. I, I know it's a fashion magazine, but like people who look like Giselle still do not work in fashion magazines. Like this is the least <laughs> believable model cameo I've ever seen in my life. Come on. Oh, I love it. I love Giselle in this movie. She's got the accent. I'm like, Giselle, really? Uh, but really funny. All right. Let's just rattle off some of the most iconic lines. First one for me has to be, all right, everyone, gird your loins. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Kills me. Kills me. I like florals for spring, groundbreaking. Uh, you know, so good. I feel yep. like people quote that legitimately in their daily lives. Like it's just so well known. Yes. I like. Do you have some prior commitment? Some hideous skirt convention you have to go to? Or secondly, by all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how that thrills me. That one's really good. Devastating. So good. Lastly, I picked all Marina lines. Details of your incompetence do not interest me. So it's just imagine, imagine someone saying that to you. Woo. You would literally never recover. I also <laughs> think one that people uh, quote a lot that's kind of turned into a meme is like the, are you wearing the, and then she cuts her off. She's like, the Chanel boots. Yeah, I am. Oh. <laughs> that one, I, I mean, that one 15 years later, you still see everywhere. Um, <laughs> all right. This is like the eternal unanswerable question of Devil Wears Prada. People tweet this out every single day as if it is a new take. I even tweeted a link in here, like to Twitter search, Devil Wears Prada boyfriend. If you sort by latest, <laughs> you will literally see new tweets from people being like, Broke Meryl Streep was the villain in Devil Wears Prada. Woke the boyfriend was the villain. And it's like everyone has already said this in the history of mm. humankind. 
so basically the take is Andy's is Andy's boyfriend the real villain of this movie uh, and not Miranda how do we feel about this like eternal hot take we're all just exhausted by it I'm exhausted by it I agree I like went into this movie preparing to be like you're all stupid Uh, a toxic boss is obviously uh, the villain and that she should get out of this horrible work environment however Boyfriend sucks. He is so unsupportive. He is so whiny. He does not support her at all. And he's almost as bad. I would say almost as bad as the boss. Thoughts? Yeah, I, can't, I can't tell if I'm like signing with Andy and not the boyfriend because I'm like, yeah, woman rocks her job and you're <laughs> going to be jealous. And you're, but at the same time, she does like, does really consume her life. And you're right. It's a very yeah. toxic work environment. So I obviously am going to side with her and I'm like, yeah, she just kills her job and you're just jealous and stupid. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, also I'm just tired of it. I hate like also <laughs> Adrian Grenier have like <laughs> come out and waited right. and been like, I was immature at the time. I didn't understand what people were talking about. But now giving it some thought and yada, yada. So I don't know, Amelia, what do you I, think? I mean, like I can understand both sides. Like I understand he's, I mean, he's pretentious. Her friends are pretentious. She was mm. pretentious. Like she was right. acting the same exact way how he reacts to her acting because that's how she used to be. So I can see if that's, and this is less, she even confirms in this, uh, at the end of the movie, she's like, I worked for them in less than a year. And it's like, okay, well, that's a quick way to change your whole personality. So yeah. that might be jarring for the boyfriend. I get that because she's, she was kind of a dick beforehand too. And yeah. but at the same time, it's like, you know, he's not being really supportive. And, but I guess, you know, how supportive can you be when someone's never around and I misses know. your birthday and stuff? So I don't know. I can understand both sides. And honestly, I was more upset at, well, I guess him included and the friends when they stole the right. phone. I don't mean to get <laughs> back to that, but yeah. That was yeah, really then, fucked up. Right. And not to completely dive into this discourse, even though I was trying to avoid and now I'm just fully in it. But she is really apologetic every time her, the phone rings and she's like, I'm so sorry. Right. I'm, get this. I'm so sorry. So yeah, it's not like true. she's like, fuck off. I have a new life that I'm going to like commit. You know, she she <laughs> understands true. it's happening as it's happening. But yeah. Also, at the end of the movie, essentially, he's going to go to Boston to be a sous chef at a different restaurant. And it's implied she's going to go to Boston what, or something like they're going to try again and date. I don't so. confuse. I'm like, you're and again, like for this movie, like he's like a waiter or like a cook. It's like you can't adjust your schedule for your girlfriend's job. I don't know. Sorry, yeah. I can't deal with it. It's fine. <laughs> All right. No answer to that. Then let's All just right, move right along. One. OK, speaking of unanswerable, we're going to end this long podcast with T-Tum's unanswerable questions. My one, I got to admit, is kind of silly, and I don't know if you guys have an answer to it. <laughs> no, I like this. Um, put it in early in the outline before this whole episode really like fleshed out to what it was. But my question is, what food do you want to watch a movie about the invention of? Because mm. as you guys know, we have Eva Longoria's movie, Flaming Hot about the flaming hot Cheetos Love that. food. And now I have come to discover that Jerry Seinfeld is wow. going to Netflix and going to direct and star in and produce this new film called Unfrosted. And at first I thought oh. it was about the invention of the Pop-Tart, but it's about a joke he told about the creation of the Pop-Tart. So it's like oh. a silly, com I don't know what, I don't really care to know more, <laughs> but it's a kind of about the origins of the Pop-Tart in the, and whatever Jerry Seinfeld was joking about. I don't know how I feel, but That's the question weird. remains, what food would you like to see an entire movie about? 
Uh, I the only thing I could think of, I really tried to think of a funny answer to this, and the yeah. only thing I could think of was like that joke where they're like, "Who is the first person to like walk up to a cow and be like, we could probably uh, yeah. drink this milk too?" Oh, <laughs> you know, interesting. <laughs> like we should grab this and then right, the, yeah, right, and just like the process of like, why did we start drinking other animals' milk? Like, why did we as humans decide that, like, that was the move? I would also accept, like, the first person who was like, what would happen if we, like, juiced up these almonds and tried to put that in cereal? Just, like, milk as a concept, maybe? Right. That's all I've got. That's not a good answer. So, milk is your answer. Milk. Yeah. (laughs) You could even delve into, like, the milk industry or, like, the industry of, like, almond milk or milk alternatives. That's kind of I love oat milk. I would probably watch a movie about oat milk. Yeah. Like Although that. we should say we're not inviting anyone to comment at us with the origin. Don't. We'll just find it on our own. Don't yep. worry about it. I don't actually want to <laughs> know. Don't I just, worry. This is hypothetical. Liz, what yeah. movie would you watch on food? I was food? thinking something more mysterious that is a food, but it's like, like, it's so artificial. And like, how did you all come up with this? Like hmm. a Twinkie, a Ho-Ho, hmm. a Ding Great. Dong, any of the Hostess brand a hostess things, brand which is I would like watch a hostess movie same they're so good but it's like what is this twinkie you know what i mean like how yeah. you know what is it made out of maybe i don't want to yeah. know the answer to that either <laughs> that's true um that but that's fair. my boring ass answer so i go to the next question <laughs> wait can i say mine yes, oh, good. yes i'm so happy you have one i want to know the origin story of the cheesecake factory Oh my God. I love the Cheesecake Factory. Guys, can I tell you, I've never felt more betrayed by Elizabeth Kelly than when we went to the Cheesecake Factory in Las Vegas and she didn't order cheesecake. Wow. You know I'm constantly on a diet. (laughs) (laughs) I can't eat dairy. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Those are uh, the dairy, the dairy excuse is legit. But literally, the shit. Literally, we went with like the ringer ahead of some live podcast, mm. and I was like the only one who was intending on ordering cheesecake. I was like, Good "It's called you. the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> Why are we here?" Well, I like to load up on the entrees. Which the, the entrees are good. I mean, they are so good and they're huge. So, like, I understand. Yes. But like, you gotta the priority has to be the cheesecake. Sure. That's how I feel. You know what your movie should dive into (laughs) is why they decided to put the calorie count on the menus. That is not something that that needs to happen. (laughs) Also, (laughs) why the menu is so big. How did it get so big? Like the writing. So many questions. The writing of the menu. Anything that's off the table menu wise or like someone suggested (laughs) like, what about, I don't know, um, egg rolls. And they're like, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Burger egg rolls for sure. So that's a great answer. That is great. That's oh really God, good. That's the architecture of the Cheesecake Factory, there's so many unanswered <laughs> oh questions. Oh my God. That, so there good. is a lot of unanswered questions about that's that. That's really great. <laughs> um, um, yeah, right. go ahead, Kate. Yeah. Uh, we got to get this wrapped up. Uh, it's still <laughs> early. The Olympics are probably happening, uh, whether hope. or not they should. But oh, right. aside from that, like they're happening. Let's just pretend it's a foregone conclusion. And we need to talk about how the online Olympian thirst has begun. Uh, <laughs> Because, listen, some people are, like, paying attention to the Olympic trials, being like, I need to know who to root for. I'm like, I need to know who to thirst for. You know, like, you need to get some prep. You need to know who we need to be following on Instagram, on TikTok. Like, oh wow, we need to be prepping. So I, I'm, my unanswerable question is, which athletes are we keeping an eye on? Which sports are we investigating? Like, what do we feel like we need to look into ahead of the Olympics? And this can also be non-thirst related if you have something that you're like really invested in. Yeah. Just like what, how do we feel? Like, how are we as a tea time? Which, because I know tea time, we get really into the Olympics. It doesn't seem like we would, but we do. We do. Uh, and like, how are we preparing? What's the move? <laughs> Amelia, would oh you like to go God. first or should I? You can go first. 
two things I'm interested in that I've recently discovered is Shakari Richardson, who yes. is the fastest woman in America. She's yes. freaking blowing up. Yes, yes. Um, she's fucking amazing. She's got amazing style. She oh, is extremely talented, dedicated, strong. She had some really tragic family news happen right before the Olympic trial. Mm-hmm. She fucking kicked ass anyway. So that's one we can talk about. And then the other, again, neither of these are thirsting. Let it be known. That's fair. That's fair. Because I got to clarify that before the second one, which is the 15-year-old who's swimming in the Olympics in the 1800. Oh Did gosh. you guys read about her, Katie no. Grimes? She's gonna. She was second to fucking Katie Ledecky. Who's oh my like gosh, the Katie the swimmer. Wow. Yeah, the Katies. The Katies She's are coming. Fifteen. Wow, incredible, Insane. exciting. Okay, wow. yeah. I do no, love Katie good. Ledecky too. I love the ones that are literally just like built different. You know, like oh, she yeah. is so sure. much better than everyone else. Like Simone Biles, it's just insane. Mm, yeah. Uh. Right. Amelia, what about you? Well, yes, I too had Shikari Richardson. I freaking, God, what a fashion plate. Uh, she made such an impact in such a really short amount did. of time on yeah. several levels. It's iconic. Um, and then also, I mean, I'm going to go back to the old standards like Megan Rapino, the women's US yep. soccer team. Yep. I- yep. Icons. Absolutely. Love them. We'll be watching yep. them. And then, you know, I this is... <sighs> Simone Biles last time. Oh, good. I'm glad you said um, that. Yeah, I was going to say that at the end. Yeah. I love her. I... I like kind of want to watch her Facebook series, but I hate Facebook so much. And I just like, it's so, it's such Tough. a labor to yeah. go on to it and understand how to do Facebook watch. So maybe if someone pirates it and puts it on YouTube, I'll watch it. But <laughs> you know, I saw her on 60 minutes recently and she opened up about pretty much all the abuse that was going on in USA gymnastics and mm-hmm. how she is like old for a gymnast, but she's still mm-hmm. doing these incredible groundbreaking moves. And she's just an icon. So I'll be watching her. Obviously I love the gymnasts. I love yes. everything about gymnastics. Um, and then I, you know, I love, I actually like watching track and field and yeah. I like watching um, swimming, but it's mm-hmm. kind of sad because uh, I, I recently heard that like Nathan Adrian, um, I loved him. Yeah. Barely missed a no. spot. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Damn. He wow, that's devastating. It. I forgot about him. Uh-huh. Damn, and he was hot, too. Yes, he was. And and then, like, I mean, I don't want to, you know, Brian Lochte, who's an idiot, but, like, <laughs> he has been on the Olympic stage for so long. He has been in our lives. He's been an idiot Is for so long. Is he going again this year? No, he didn't qualify either. Oh, but, but he's, like, pretty wow. But end it's of an just, era. It's an end of, of, like, kind of the Michael, the guys who competed with Michael Phelps era. Yeah. They're all yeah. just kind of old now. And so it's, like, kind of exciting to see who the new guys are and new ladies are. Like, you're saying Katie Ledeck. Oh, and she's not mm-hmm. new, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, And the other Katie. So I'm excited to see that. Um, I'm, like, kind of afraid that Australia is going to, you know, kick our ass. But that's actually exciting to me because, you know, the U.S. doesn't need to be so great at ever. It makes the competition kind of boring. Exactly. Like, we're, we're not just... that patriotic. We just want to be entertained for the right, most part. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so. I have to say on the subject of athletes that are aren't sort of still in the game, I used to be so invested in like men's and women's U.S. volleyball because I played volleyball mm. in high school. And I looked up today to see who was on the U.S. men's team that I was so invested in in Rio. Like I remember okay. I got back. I literally got back from like a party like first week of like college. Uh, I think I guess it was beginning of my senior year. And I was like, I hope my mom has stopped listening. I was like drunk in bed at 3 a.m. And I was like, I got to watch the U.S. Kate? men's team play yes. Russia. It was like the bronze medal match. And I was like, I got to do it. So I like totally. stayed up and watched like that three hour match. Anyway, so I looked at the men's U.S. men's team and like 10 of them are still playing. And like three of them, for them were playing back in 2012, including my all-time wow. Olympian crush, Matt Ooh. Anderson, 
who I literally would like used to sit on the sideline of my high school volleyball games and like get on Pinterest with my best friend. And oh like my. we literally had a Matt Anderson Pinterest board <laughs> oh. when we were like in 2012 where we were like that he was like our volleyball crush and he's still huh. at the Olympics. He made it again. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Go Matt. I'm on the usavolleyball.org slash men's national team seeing Matt Anderson. He is 6'10". Go Kate. Listen, oh, he, you gotta you gotta see him in context. He like nice. some pictures of him he just looks like like the guy next door but in context on the volleyball court he's really hot also there are several on I tiktok i've been oh, following them on tiktok whoa. and like eric shoji like does these like funny tiktoks with the the u.s men's volleyball team anyway love them love the women too very invested uh in that so prepare for those thirst tweets um and then yeah just really invested in the uh the women's soccer team as well I'm yeah prepared to yes. go all the way back in on them just oh. been waiting for so long Agreed. And also, I forgot that this is the first time I think they're going to have skateboarding and like uh, surfing. Ooh, so, ooh. you know, there are hot people in sa- surfing Absolutely. and skateboarding. Absolutely. Okay? We will keep an like, eye on that. Obviously. Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Let's end this thing. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. That was a very long podcast. And more than anything, thank you, Kaya McMullen, Always. who will sit down and yeah. edit this oh. now. She's our lovely producer, her. does God's work every week. So, thank you, Kaya. I'm Liz Kelly. I'm Kate Alwell. And I'm Amelia Wedemeyer. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.